you ladies, appreciate that. <clears throat> boy, choir did a great job tonight, appreciate your efforts. That opening song, boy, it sounded great. I was pleased with that, uh, very pleased with how that turned out. That was nice. That makes a difference. All right, well, we're on track for our, is this working? Okay. We're on track for our new year, and we've got things moving along, reaching forth, and Many of you are out running around probably in the mornings. You don't get an opportunity to hear our messages on that issue as we start kind of moving into the, the new year. But uh, uh, you can bet uh, and rest assured that we're doing it. And, uh, you know, we're certainly looking forward to a new year and reaching forth and uh, just uh, making an impact in our culture, our society, and our community here. Again, we're glad you're here. And uh, what a great group gathered this evening on a cold, wintry Sunday evening. And so let's get started here tonight in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 4. Ecclesiastes, chapter 4. Ecclesiastes, chapter 4. Solomon, the wise man of the Bible, is uh, one of the instruments that God uses in, in order to write his word and in this particular case, the book of Ecclesiastes is indeed just that, a book that Solomon was used to help pen. As we often say, the writers of the Word of God were not the authors of the Word of God. They were only the pens that God used to put it on paper. And so tonight, as we look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4, beginning in verse 9, we realize that this is none other than God speaking to us. And so we begin... Chapter 4, beginning in verse 9. The Bible says, Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. <clears throat> for if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a three-cord Excuse me, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. In this particular passage, we note the inability of a man to be the architect of his own happiness. Success without others will leave us empty and unfulfilled every time. One may be wealthy, may be successful, but if he or she has no one to share that success and prosperity with, they will truly be most miserable and lonely. The old adage says, no man is an island. And that is very true. Not one of us live alone. Not one of us will die alone. We live in a very fast-paced society today, and it often ill affords opportunities to develop and build relationships. It wasn't that awful long ago that when you went and pumped gas, you uh, would have someone come to your window and do it for you. You got to know the gas station attendant. You would pay that person. You would ask them how they were doing. You knew their wife and maybe their children, and it was very community-oriented, and everyone seemed to know one another. It wasn't too awfully long ago you, needing money out of the bank, would go to the bank and walk on inside, and the tellers there would be assembled and aligned up there and you'd go to one of the windows and begin to speak to one of the tellers and realized that you had met them, spoke to them and had dealt with them on a number of occasions. You developed a relationship with them. 
Things have desperately changed over the last five or ten years in our culture and society. Since about the 1980s and 90s, things have really took a turn. And it seems today that it's very difficult, very hard to establish and to create relationships. Nowadays, we have social networking and all kinds of different other types of means by which to fellowship and to come together and get to know one another. But it seems to me, and somehow it just appears to me, that we're more disjointed and more isolated and more alone than ever. It seems that loneliness is on the upswing instead of the downswing. It seems that there's no real intimate relationships. Everything's so superficial, if you ask me. Along the way tonight, we're going to note the benefits of relationships and companionship. There's a song that years ago stated, One is the loneliest number. Some of you may, that song's now ringing through your head. One is the loneliest. You know what I'm talking about. It's okay. God didn't strike me dead. We're all right. We're okay. All right? Everybody take a deep breath. We're all right. (laughs) Now, God never intended that man be alone. And from the very beginning, even the Garden of Eden... God made it very clear that man was to have a help me. In the book of Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, the Bible says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all the cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helpmeet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the, the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. Why? Because once again, he looked at man and said, It is not good that man should dwell alone. See, the Bible teaches that two are better than one. Two are better than one. And tonight I just want to consider that thought. Why are two better than one? So let's have a word of prayer and we'll continue tonight. Father, thank you for another opportunity to open up your word and to just glean from its pages. Father, we're grateful that every time we open that book... We're opening your mind. We're getting your words. And, Father, thank you so much for that precious, precious commodity. Father, I ask, dear God, that tonight you would bless each listener. May you anoint every listening ear to hear that which you would have for them. But, Lord, I pray that you would anoint my lips, that I might become your mouthpiece. May you stand in my shoes. And, Father, may it be thee and not me that thy thy people see. God of heaven, be lifted up and exalted and magnified in this place, for you are certainly worthy of it. We'll thank you and give you the honor and the glory. In Christ's name, amen. Why are two better than one? Well, first of all, in our passage, we note that they complement one another. In verse 9, the Bible says, because they have a good reward for their labor. 
they have a good reward for their labor. Now, when I was in college, I took a course, a business course. And in that business course, uh, I learned about partnerships versus sole proprietorships. Now, again, when I began to learn those principles and I began to hear more about those things, I realized there were some advantages to partnerships versus sole proprietorships. Again, a sole proprietorship is when I start a business and I run it all myself. A partnership is when I tag team with another guy or gal and we say we're going to come together to work on this business and to prosper this business together. A partnership. When we pool our resources together, I don't mean P-U-L-L, but P-O-O-L, a pool of resources. And when we pool those resources together and we, we're, we, we begin to complement one another, it provides a diversity of skills where one might be very tactful and very capable in communications. Another one may say, may have the technical ability, but not the, 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 the skills to communicate that. So a partnership can be very prosperous and very helpful. Obviously, there are always drawbacks, whether it be a sole proprietorship or a partnership. But in this case, often teachers would say a partnership offers much more diversity and enables you to have many more resources. And may I say that God understood that you and I as individuals are limited in our ability. We need others to help complement us. I think about this area of soul winning. Jesus, the Bible tells us, sent out disciples by two. He didn't send them out by themselves. He sent them out in pairs. In the book of Luke chapter 10, it says, And these, after these things, the Lord appointed other seventy also, and sent them two and two before His face into every city and place whither He Himself would come. I think it's interesting, first of all, and this has nothing to do with the message, but as I just read that, I thought to myself, how neat that is that God sent them ahead of Him. You notice that it says that he sent them into every place whither he himself would come. I just think it's neat that they go out into the air, they begin to canvas, they begin to elevate the name of Christ, lift him up before the eyes of the people, and then all of a sudden Jesus walks into town and they go, that's the Jesus that they were talking about. That's the Christ. I want you to understand that every time you go out and knock on a door... You're doing the exact same thing. You're saying, hey, this is the Jesus of the Bible. This is Christ who rose from the dead. This is the one who's coming again. And when He breaks through that eastern sky, they'll say, oh, we heard about Him. Soul winning. Partnerships. I think of service. Whatever endeavor you enter into with Christ... As a believer, I want you to know you'll be successful because He'll make sure it gets done. Do you understand as a believer you're never really alone that you have Christ on your team? I mean, in 1 Thessalonians 5.24, the Bible says, Faithful is He who, that calleth you who also will do it. Faithful is He who calleth you who also will do it. I don't know about you, but if God calls me to do something, then I'm quite capable and able to be victorious. He's going to do it. 
I just have to be obedient. What a wonderful truth that is. You know, you get nervous, you get afraid, you think, man, the Lord spoke to my heart while I was down at the altar and He called me into the ministry or He called me to, be, to preach or He called me to go to Bible college. I don't know if I can do those things. I, I, I'd be afraid to step out by faith. I'd be concerned about going forward for the Lord. Let me tell you, faithful is He who calleth you who also will do it. But I feel compelled and I feel motivated and I feel called to the Lord to be involved in the ministry in a capacity of teaching or possibly singing in the choir or being on a bus or helping in the nursery or whatever the whatever it might be of the area of service. Let me tell you, if you know God wants you there, then you never have to doubt whether or not you'll succeed or not. If you fail to succeed, it's not because God failed, it's because we did. I'm sorry, but I really don't look at God as a failure. But I know in my own life I've failed a number of times. But faithful is he who calls you who also will do it. Amen. By the way, the reality is, is that, well, we're not even really helping God. <laughs> and he's helping us. Uh, you know, he's not really helping us. I, actually, the bottom line is this. Um, he's the only one really getting the job done. He just simply allows us to be a part of it by yoking up with us. In the book of Matthew, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. I want you to think about that for a minute. You know, if you take a yoke... And you, you would connect two oxen together for the purpose of work. The two would be yoked side by side. And they would, they, they're, they're, they're actually to be kind of put together in teams so that they can bear or share the burden together. I mean, you don't want no little teeny oxen and a big oxen. Because then the yoke don't fit too well. And the big oxen's going to really do all the work and the little one just be along for the ride. I could have something extremely heavy up here. I tell you what, let's, let me try to do something here. I, I planned on having something heavy, but I don't really have anything that heavy here. Oh, I know it's really heavy. That's what I need. Lucas, where you at? Come on up here, buddy. You're a pretty strong dude, aren't you? Come on up. You are, aren't you? Let me feel your muscle. Yep, yep, no doubt about it. The dude's got some, some real guns. Got some guns there. I like it. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go over there and pick up that potted plant. Let's go pick that thing up. Yeah, just pick that thing up. No, I mean pick it. Yeah, you got to just pick it. Just pick it all up there. Oh, well. Okay, what, what? Hold on, hold on a second. I'll tell you what. Let me give you a hand here. Let's do it together. Ready? Let's go. Oh, there you go. Look at that guy. Look how good he picks that thing up. Give him a hand. That's right. That's good. Very good. Let's set her down. That's good. Oh, good job. Thank you very much, Lucas. That man, that's a strong man there. Hold on. You saw what just happened, didn't you? 
Listen, he put forth a tremendous amount of effort, but in the end, really, who was lifting that thing? You know what I'm saying? We don't want to... You understand where I'm going? Hey, listen, you think there's any difference between what just happened there and what happens with us? I mean, there's no difference. We get this idea sometimes that we're giving, doing God a favor, that somehow we're doing the work of God. And you know, there's an element there of truth. We are involved in the work of God. But hold on, it's not us doing it. It's God doing it in and through us. We're simply instruments, but in the end, we're yoked together with God. He's bearing all the weight and the burden. We're just simply along for the ride. He allows us to be co-laborers in it, even though in reality, He is bearing it all. Two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their labor. But number two, two are better than one because they carry one another. In verse 10, the Bible says, For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. Now, years ago, there was a commercial on TV for a medical alert device. (laughs) In which this lady was on the floor, and she appeared to be trying to raise up, and she would say, I've fallen, and I can't get up. Thank you. (laughs) I've fallen, and I can't get up. And there she would lay. And you could tell she really wasn't hurt or injured. She was just a commercial. And there she was. I've fallen, and I can't get up. And she's going... The problem was that she was all alone. She had no one to help her up. You know, as believers, we are so blessed because we are never alone. In Hebrews 13, 5, the Bible says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The first two statements in that verse provide the rule, while the last provides the reason. Notice he says, let your conversation be without covetousness. That's a rule. And be content with such things as you have. There's the rule. So, how is it that I'm to have my conversation without covetousness and be content with such things as I have? How's that possible? Here's the reason. Because I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You say, what are you saying? What's that mean then exactly? What it means is that Christ is enough. Because He is with me, I don't need anyone or anything else other than Him. Now boy, we live in a society that needs so many things in their mind. Today, everything's a need. I mean, we get on CVS, or we, we, we get on the uh, uh, Craigslist, or we get on this or that, or we go through Mark's, and we walk through those little aisles up there with all those little deals, and we need that, and we need this, and I need that, and I need that. Boy, it's a great deal. I need that too now. But we don't really need all those things. So many times we're confused about what it is we really need, 
But what we have is enough. We have the Lord Jesus Christ. Then I don't need what you have, and you don't need what I have. I already have Christ. That's enough. And that's what he's trying to get us to understand in the passage. We're to be content with what we have and not be envious of others or their things because Jesus Christ is with us always. Mary Stevenson wrote a very popular poem some years ago entitled Footprints. One night I had a dream. I dreamed I was walking along the beach with the Lord and across the sky I flashed scenes from my life. For each scene I noticed two sets of footprints. One belonged to me and the other to the Lord. When the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. I, I noticed that many times along the path of my life, there was only one set of footprints. I also noticed that it happened at the very lowest and saddest times in my life. This really bothered me, and I questioned the Lord about it. Lord, you said that once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I've noticed that during the most troublesome times in my life, there's only one set of footprints. I don't understand why in times when I, when I needed you most, you left me. The Lord replied, my precious, precious child, I love you and I'd never, never leave you during your times of trial and suffering. When you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. Boy, I like that. And for years I would <clears throat> I'd read that. It's one of my favorite poems. I'd read that and think, Man, I, I, in the midst of my troubles, in the midst of my trials, I want God to carry me. And He has so many times. But I've changed my heart and my desire lately. I don't want Him just to carry me when it's tough time. I want Him to carry me always. I want to get to the judgment seat of Christ and when my life flashes before me and I see that big screen, that DVD, wide screen in heaven. That, no, that HD. I was getting mixed up. I want a DVD so bad I can't stand it. But I'm looking at the screen in heaven and when I look back through that screen and I see those footprints in the sand. I want to see one set. I don't ever want to see two. Because I want to know that God carried me. I don't want to depend on my own efforts, my own strength, and I know you don't either. Boy, but two are better than one. Why? Because they, care. they, they, they carry one another. They carry one another. Number three, two are better than one because they care for one another. They care for one another. He says in verse 11, again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? You know, that was a principle that I quickly learned and was taught in the military. They taught us that. They taught the buddy system. That you were to buddy up in order to stay warm on a rigid and cold night. Now, it wasn't very appealing to think about. But it certainly was helpful in the midst of a very cold night. If I was going to freeze to death, I think I'd break down and go to the buddy system. Because it works. By the way, that's a biblical principle. 
Two are better than one because they care for one another. As believers, we're blessed to have the Lord caring for us. Don't you just love that passage in 1 Peter 5, 7? Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Aren't you glad that the God of the universe cares for you? I love those passages. Turn there anyway. I didn't plan to, but I'm getting happy on this one. Turn over in, in, in the book of Psalm chapter 8. I was reading it this morning in just some of my own devotional time. But in Psalm chapter 8, look what it says. I love this portion. Psalm chapter 8. I, I mention this from time to time because I do, I do enjoy it. But notice here it says, <clears throat> just we'll read from the beginning. It's just a great chapter. It's only about, you know, 125 verses long. No, I'm joking. It's a short one. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who hath set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. This crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beast of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the path of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. I love that when he says, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? I mean, to think about that. The reality that God cares for me. I mean, can you ever shake it? I can't hear it enough. It's kind of like every time when I come home and in the evening I like to see my wife. And I enjoy it if she'll stop for a moment and take her time, which is normally her practice, and come see me. And we stop for a moment and the world just stops turning and spinning. And she'll say, she'll say, how was your day? I said, good. And boy, I like it if she'll just slip something out. I love you. Well, that means the world to me. Somebody cares. And she doesn't just say it. It's not shallow. It's not, not just made up. It's sincere. It's from the heart. And I say to myself, I'm somebody today because somebody cares for me. And you know, that's the danger with people that don't have somebody to say, I love you to. Sometimes they don't feel very significant. They don't feel very valuable. Sadly enough, young ladies, one of the greatest temptations for you will be to reach out and to grab hold of any guy that says, I love you, because somehow you'll feel that you're not of any value unless somebody loves you. Even though you have a mom and a dad that care, even though you have a grandma and a grandpa that are praying for you, even though you may have brothers and sisters that are concerned for your well-being, it won't be enough sometimes because you feel all alone. Some of you guys will do the same thing. You're so desperate to feel affirmation and to feel as though someone cares and loves you that you'll, you'll reach out and you'll gravitate to anyone or anything that will show you a little bit of attention. See, we're created in a way that we do long for that. We have to temper it and we have to feed it in a biblical fashion. 
But listen, we want and need to feel cared for. I want to know someone cares. And boy, I'm so glad today that God cares for me. To think that He loved me enough to die on that old cross for me. I'm somebody today. You want to know why? Because God created me. And I'm special today because God died for me. And you could say the same thing. My value cannot be totally and completely found in the relationships I have with others. It first and foremost must be found in Christ. You know that old song again, and I'm dating myself. Looking for love in all the wrong places. Looking for love in too many places. I don't know the rest. But that's enough. Boy, if we're not careful, we're looking for love in all the wrong places. Young ladies, let me encourage you. You're beautiful young ladies. You have so much potential. God wants to use you in a miraculous way. There's not one of you here that God doesn't want to use miraculously. But the biggest choice, the most important choice in your life will be the boy that you marry. Outside of coming to Christ as your Savior and Lord, the biggest decision will be the man or the, the, the young man that you marry. I want to encourage you to be very patient. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and He shall strengthen thine heart. Make sure you seek the advice of spiritual leaders and the advice of mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, whomever invest themselves in your life. Even if they're unsaved, make sure you take the time to listen to that parent that guardian, that person that invests in your life. Nobody in this world loves you more than those that invest in you. And nobody invested more in you than Jesus. Boy, He cares. He cares today. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or... Wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Philippians 4.19 But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in Christ Jesus. Excuse me, riches in glory by Christ Jesus. There's a song that we sing. It goes like this. Does Jesus care when my heart is pained too deeply for mirth and song as the burdens press and the cares distress and the way grows weary and long oh yes he cares, I know He cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary, the long night dreary, I know my Savior cares.
Boy, you need to remember that. There's some pretty long nights in life. Pretty lonely times. But two, two are better than one. Because they care for one another. Finally, two are better than one. Because they contend for one another. You say, what do you mean? We talk about contending for the faith. Fighting, battling, striving for one another. We're talking about defending one another. I mean, if one prevail against him, in verse 12, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. There have been a few times in my life when things didn't go my way. When it looked pretty rough for me. I remember being at a football game one time and a number of guys got around me and they were all going to take liberty at beating me up. Of course, they would have had a very difficult time anyway. But let's just say that I was certainly excited when my brothers and a few of my friends came to my rescue. It was so much better not being alone. And you know what? You're going to face a number of battles in your life. That's just the nature of the game. You know, when you're real young, you know, and, and don't misunderstand me, I, I, I have a tremendous positive outlook in so many areas, but when you're young, it just oozes out of you usually. Now again, in our generation, people aren't nearly as hopeful as they used to be. We're training our kids. By the way, parents, don't do, a, don't do such a disservice to your children that you're always talking to them about how horrible the economy is, how terrible the society is, how wicked our generation is, how bad things are getting. You do them a disservice. You tell them there's no hope. I'm going to tell you something. There's hope today. We serve a risen Savior. He's alive and well. Let me tell you something. God's still good in this generation too. And by the way, I don't, I'm not concerned about my children having babies and, oh, I, I, I really feel bad for this generation having to raise kids in this society. Well, you know what? People in my generation said the same thing. And guess what? My kids are still here. Your kids are still here. God's still on the throne. And everything's going just fine in my opinion. God's still doing good things. And God's still able to overcome the wickedness and the sinfulness in our society. And children don't have to live for Satan, and they can overcome. Man, I'm going to tell you something. We need to help our children to have a positive outlook, to face life with some optimism, to say, hey, with God, all things are possible. We have one, we have a defender. His name is Jesus Christ. He protects us and cares for us. The psalmist in chapter 18, verse 2 and 3 says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. I understand things are looking grim and there's many times it seems pretty dark. But thank God He's the light. 
And we have this book that reveals that pathway. And man, the, thy word is a light, lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We have someone to guide us, direct us, and lead us through this muck and mire and the sinfulness and the debauchery of our culture and our society. God help us to rely on Him, depend on Him, and serve Him, and allow Him to come alongside and defend us. Sit back on our blessed assurances and relax and say, I can't go outside for the lions are out there. I'd get devoured if I step outside of this place. If I tried to take a gospel track and pass it out. If I tried to go out soul winning and share the gospel. If I tried to stand up and proclaim the Word of God. If I tried to sing a song for the glory of Jesus Christ. Oh, the lions would devour me. We forgot that we have a defender. I think of David facing that Goliath. A giant of a man. Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand. Man, I like that. Young people, don't get discouraged in our generation. There's still a world that needs you to stand up and be a man. Stand up and be a woman. To face this world and to oppose it and to say with God we can overcome. With God we can make a difference. With God we can win a soul. With God we can build a church. With God we can raise a family. With God we can have victory in our life, in our home, in our communities. Thank God we don't have to journey alone. Two are better than one because... When you're traveling with someone else, they compliment you and carry you, care for you, and contend for you. So what do we need? We need a relationship with Christ. First and foremost, you need Jesus Christ. I need Jesus Christ. We've gotten away from Jesus Christ. We have so many self-help books and how-to books. Even the Christian faith has kind of jumped on the bandwagon. Every turn, every twist of the Christian life is outlined in some book. But long before any author penned a book, God already had one settled in heaven. Let me tell you something. You'll find your answers right here. They're here. You better have a relationship with Jesus Christ. All the how-to manuals in the world will never get you through life like this one. This is who you need and what you need. Don't you dare, don't, don't, don't you allow yourself to substitute this book for anything or anyone else. You cherish this book. You love this book. You memorize this book. You meditate on this book. You study this book. You hold on to it. You, you bring it close to your heart. Don't you let anyone steal it from you. Oh, they're out there, you know. Telling you that we don't really have the Word anymore. It's there, though. It's there. I was thinking this morning in my office. <clears throat> I said, God... If I was going to doubt that you existed, 
I don't know if I could, really, if I think about it. Because, as crazy as it sounds, this didn't just happen. It couldn't have just happened. I mean, everything around me just happened? It couldn't have. That is just an impossible, that is just beyond comprehension. I mean, we used to watch little films. Little amoebas getting together and turning into little things and little, you know, cells and stuff. And then before you know it, they're multiplying. And, and the, I remember this picture of this, like, fish with legs crawling out of the water. And they even, they even, they even made it look real. And, and it would come out and it'd go, and then it'd run back in the water. Because it couldn't breathe out in the out in the world too much, you know, because it had lungs for a fish, fish lungs. But but it was developing. It was no, take that back. It wasn't developing. It was evolving. And pretty soon it was able to come and go about five feet and come back. And pretty soon it never came back. It just hung out on ground, dry ground. It wasn't that awfully long, a couple of million, billion years. And that thing grew long arms, had long legs, and swung from trees. Are you kidding me? Honestly, are you kidding me? We believe this? <laughs> We better have a relationship with Jesus Christ because He's real. And then number two, we better have a relationship with others. Can I encourage you to plug your life and your family into Community Baptist Temple? To be a part of something bigger than yourself? To allow yourself to be influenced by others? Oh, I know that some have had a bad experience with church, and I, I, I apologize for that. I do. I sincerely apologize to you if, if you're one of those. Or if somebody hurt you. But let me tell you, whether you want to admit it or not, you still need others. Boy, we need others today. Two are better than one, aren't they? And I want to encourage you. To begin a relationship with Jesus Christ if you haven't already. There's no relationship better than that. But then make sure that you establish some biblical relationships. Some, with people that can encourage you in your Christian life. Not those that will help keep you where you are or take you backwards. But those that will inspire you to go the next step or take another step. Or maybe go the extra mile even. Who do you have a relationship in this church that inspires you to read your Bible more or pray more? May I encourage you in this church to be that kind of friend to the others in this ministry? If someone is a friend of yours here, why don't you take the lead spiritually and be the one to say, Hey, did you read your Bible today? Instead of just talking about the weather, instead of just posting on Facebook, 
Instead of just telling people about what store you went to and how much you spent, honestly be a spiritual friend to someone. A mentor, a guide. Hold them accountable and let them hold you accountable. Encourage one another in the things of God. Listen, two are better than one. Because you're going to be tempted to trip up, fail, and fall. We're going to need each other. I need you. You need me. You know where that's going. Some of you have heard the Barney song, haven't you? I would do it. But I got rid of my underoos a long time ago. But you know what? We do need each other. And I just want you to know I care about you and love you. And God, more than anyone, loves us. So let's make sure that we have that, that we have Christ on our side and that we have one another. So let's stay at this thing. Two are better than one. Let's not forget it. Let's live like it. Father, again, we thank you for all that you've done for us. And Lord, there may be one in this room that has yet to receive and accept you as their Lord and Savior. Two are better than one. They, we need